non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. For the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. What's up, guys? Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. This is uh, the Ninja. Yes, yes, yes. Joy, how are you? There's more important things to fight. Every time that I... <laughs> Like your face. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> like my face. Every time I say it, I have to look at Joy to make sure that I jabber. Name's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that verse you read, did it say bears witnessing? I thought you? the same thing. I was thinking bears witnessing. Is that, like what, is that bears, what you said? Like it's, bears, like the It animal. sounded like you said that. Yeah. Beats bears. Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Speaking of bears, I'm here. Yes, the bear is here. You look tired today. You have a you have a long night with the baby. Yeah, she was up a lot. Yeah, shows how committed you are to the glory That's of God. Right. You're here anyway. That's right. And uh, so a very important uh, episode we are going to get through today. I want to make the introductions for those of you guys that are new listeners to Apologia Radio. Um, you guys go get all of our past episodes at ApologiaRadio.com. And um, you guys can get the app at Google Play or the iTunes Store. And just want to encourage you guys to, when you download the app, leave a comment and a rating. And also, if you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a comment and a rating. We'd really, really be blessed by that. Uh, that's Joy the Girl. Uh, we call her that because she's a girl. I am. And uh, that is Luke the Bear. Yes. They all call me the Ninja. And we have a special guest today over here. I'm not really that special, but... Well, I mean, Marcus, Marcus King Ginger is in the back on the tables. <laughs> on the Literally tables. on the tables. That's what the, that's yep. what the kids he's say these days. He's on, he's on the ones oh, and yeah. twos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what's up, Ginger? I'm doing all right, man. Yeah? I think things are starting to happen here. It's getting pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I'm starting to get into routine. Do you ever leave here? No. Not really. He lives here. This is basically his house. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Well, that's good for you because you don't really have to pay rent to really live anywhere if that was actually the case. Yeah. You live here. That's true. Yeah. You know, you he's, know, Marcus is a man of like one and two words this morning. Like, yeah. yeah. No. 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 Wait for this Red Bull to kick in in okay. about five minutes okay. and I'll be really You know what's ready funny is the 
like the first I don't know month we were in here, he was like sleeping with a moving blanket. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's all I had. All the sound we were doing the soundproofing on the ceiling and stuff, and so he was using the soundproofing blankets to sleep with. Yeah. They're really comfortable. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all right. A little bit right. scratchy. We also have a, you, you weren't actually the guest that I was introducing because you're yeah. kind of a host here. Yeah. So we have a special guest that now actually lives in Arizona. Back in Arizona. Back in Arizona. And uh, Luke, I'll have you introduce Justin P. Bond. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it has to have the P in his name. I don't know. That's what he goes by on Facebook. So yeah, that's Facebook. That's Facebook, Facebook, Facebook y'all. So You'll Justin, get a nickname sooner or later. Justin Bond is now in Arizona again, once again, and you're with Apologia Church right now and producing a lot of stuff, right? That's what we're going to be doing? Yeah. All yeah. right. Praise God. Yeah. Things just got he, real. This is, did this did is you come much. to uh, make it so I can go home at night? That, that might happen. No. No? That's no. not in your contract. Oh, man. We actually have a chain. Yeah, we're going to hook to your ankle here soon. Oh, well. This is how much I appreciate Justin. He left working for Humble Beast Records to come here oh, to be what? with us. Well, Justin, why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you've done? No, that's, uh, that's, uh, we mentioned Humble You're Beast. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. No, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I saying. Well, you mentioned Humble Beast, so I want to talk about it. Humble Beast, and then we'll talk about how amazing it is that you've actually <laughs> come here. Yeah, so my wife and I um, lived in Portland, Oregon for a little bit, and I had the amazing blessing of working with Humble Beast, being their staff photographer and in-house videographer as well and getting to know those guys and living in relationship with mm. those guys and huge blessing but we found out we were having a baby and praise god in god's yes. providence we are back in arizona yeah yeah so justin we met for the first time how many years ago was that long time ago that was like in two was it 2008 well I, I became a christian 2008 okay we so met at the temple, right? We, we met the first time the Mormon we met. temple. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So it's been about that, that been 2009. I think you were 2009, 2010. We, we were out right after I got converted, so yeah. it was really yeah. early on. Yeah. Sweet. Crazy. And now, and now, full circle. Yeah. Whoa. Full circle. Jinx Coca-Cola. Jinx Coca-Cola. <laughs> All right, guys. Is that, is so, that hey, some more apology or culture I'm not up on? Yeah, I think so. Jinx Coca-Cola? Yeah, I think so. You don't know what that is? I've never heard of that. Oh, that's like a world goodness thing. Goodness gracious. That's like yeah, a world. I think like, everybody does that. That's not No, an no. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so we're grateful that Justin is here. Be prepared for a lot of real, a lot of really great stuff coming from Apologia Studios really soon. It's a blessing and gift to have you, have you Justin. Um, and, uh, but goodness, we have so much to do today, guys. Let's do this. Um, we all know that there was a five to four decision in the United States Supreme Court last Friday on gay mirage. Um, so now gay mirage is now supposed to be a legal thing in the United States of America. Um, here's what I want to say just as a start. We're going to do a quick listen to our glory line, and then we're going to tackle that subject with a hopefully boldness, with the truth, and also with love, with the gospel. And uh, But before we do, I want to go ahead and uh, listen to our glory line. But let me just say this uh, from, from the beginning. Jesus is king. Uh, he's the king on his throne. Revelation 1.5, Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Daniel chapter 7, he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. That's Daniel 7, 13 through 14. That is a present reality. That is absolutely true. Jesus is ascended. Jesus is seated. Jesus is the king. Uh, Paul quotes from 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 from Psalm 110.1, the most popular verse quoted in the New Testament, drawn from the Old Testament by the New Testament authors. So it's God's favorite Bible verse. 
he uses it the most, quoted from the most, and that's that Jesus is reigning, and he is seated on his throne, and he must reign until all his enemies are placed under his feet as a footstool for his feet. So as we approach this issue of the decline of Western culture, um, this is not a post-Christian society. That's impossible. Jesus is the king. His kingdom has been established. God established it. It will never pass away. But we do have moments in our history as a church where we face trouble, where we face um, the culture around us that loves death. The Bible says, those who hate me love death. And we're going to have instances in church history where we have to, as a church, be raised up. We have to, as a church, repent of our indifference. We have to, as a church, love our neighbor enough to be willing to sacrifice self, to be willing to sacrifice reputation, to be willing to sacrifice comfort for the other. And we're at a moment right now in the history of our nation, a nation that was unquestionably started um, by Christians. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't utopia, but it was Christians that came over here, the Puritans, the Huguenots. These were Calvinistic Christians that came over and they planted their families and they began cities and they began states and they acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Uh, That's how our, our nation began. And the Christian church over the last, I mean, at least 60 years specifically, has really abandoned the culture, has, has, has failed to be salty to the world, has failed to be a preservative to the culture around us, which is a command of Christ, be salt, be light. And as a result of not preserving the culture from decay, as a result of hiding our light under a bushel, um, we, no. have, we, we see, that's right, that's right, <laughs> preach it. Took me back to Sunday school. That's right. We are facing what we have right now. It's been said that the culture is the church's report card, and um, we believe in a sovereign God. We're we're hardcore Calvinists um, here at Apologia Radio, but we do believe that the church um, is the means of God's grace in many many respects in the world. And and if you think about the fact that God calls us to be salt to the world, and the world is decaying around us with Christians living here. For goodness sake, we Christians are here in the United States. We're here. We are here in the United States, and it is declining around us. And I got to say something. Of course, people are responsible for their own sin, but the church has something mm-hmm. to do with this. We have the gospel. We have mm-hmm. the message of life. But listen, Jesus is the king. He is ruling. He is reigning. He will put this enemy under his feet. There's no question about that. So we're not terrified We're not saying the sky is falling. We're not saying this is the end of the world and this is the worst of all things. Jesus is the king and he is ruling now and he will put this under his feet. But this is a a major wake-up call for the church Mm -hmm. of God in the United States of America. It demonstrates something to us vividly that we are responsible as a church to love Mm -hmm. our neighbor enough to say something. The activists in this movement have been activists. They have been disciplined. They have been consistent. They have followed a course since the 60s and 70s. They said, we are going to make sure that we do this consistently. We're going to take control of education. We're going to take control of the media. And you know what? You have to confess something as a Christian. They were very successful. They were very successful. They're not going to have control of the media for long, though. Yeah, that's right. But the point is, is listen, they saw the future as necessary to control. They saw the future as something they needed to take dominion over. And do you know who didn't? Us. Mm -hmm. Us. We've been so short-sighted and so focused in upon an eschatology of defeat Mm -hmm. in our culture 
that we believe honestly that the worse things get, the better it is for the church. And so we've abandoned the world around us. You have to consider that. That think about it, the homosexual activists and advocates have had a long-term vision of the future. They were willing to pass the baton on to the next generation. They're willing to say, here is what we're gonna do and we need to prepare and raise you up and you need to take this on and this fight Mm -hmm. into the next generation. And guess what, they did it. And here we are as Christians, living our lives like we're living in the last generation, living our lives like we, we, we can look five years ahead, maybe seven years ahead, but for goodness sakes, not 20 years ahead. And we've failed to recognize our call in the world to put this world under the feet of Jesus through his glorious gospel, through the message of salvation, through the faithful call to repentance. That's where we're at. So you think about it. This is amazing. The Bible teaches very clearly, and I'm going to pass this on to you guys, so get ready. The Bible teaches very, very clearly that it is the righteous who inhabit the land. God will uproot the wicked from it. Psalm 37, huge, huge psalm for this particular truth. It's all over the scriptures. Jesus in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount says, the meek shall inherit the earth. He takes the land promise in Psalm 37, where the righteous inhabit the land, the wicked are uprooted out of it. And he now in the new covenant takes that and says the earth, not just the land, the earth, the meek shall inherit the earth. And the theme in scripture is the wicked are uprooted, the righteous inhabit. Think about that. Mm. And it's the homosexual advocates and activists that have had a vision of the future as though it's their earth and their land. This is God's land. This is God's earth. It's God's world. And Jesus is the king. He's doing something in this world to bring redemption and the knowledge of God around the earth. We've got to wake up. We have to wake up. Our focus has to be more long-term than the wicked in the land. Now, notice something. I I can't believe I have to even say it. Of course, we're all sinners. Of course, we're all wicked. Of course, we're ungodly. God justifies the ungodly, uh, not the righteous. So we're all under God's grace. But there are particular definitions in scripture of the righteous and the wicked. And it's not the wicked who inhabit the land. So enlarge your vision of the future and what God's call is in our lives as a church. All right, guys. Um, I You brought up, a, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to, um, my wife was actually talking to someone the other day that's a believer and my, and she said, uh, so what do you think about this, you know, SCOTUS thing? And their response was literally, uh, my bags are packed and I'm all prayed up. And wow. I was like, Oh, eh, it's not good. So I'm going to read a Das boot here. Quote, please. Uh, Dr. Joe boot. He says, when Christians retreat from or abandon the task of engaging culture by the application of Christ's lordship and word to all things, they have not thereby taken a neutral view of culture, but in fact have unwittingly subordinated the faith and word of God to the prevailing assumptions of the day. And that's exactly that's exactly where we're at. The church has abandoned the culture, and now we are seeing the fruit of that. That's right. That's right. The Bible teaches very, very clearly. What, the, what the psalm, pull up that psalm, Luke, you, you pulled up the other Proverbs. day. Proverbs. Yeah, pro, the Proverbs. Yeah. Read some of that. Joy, give us your thoughts. <laughs> um, I've been trying to think about what I'd like to say on this show, and it really, it doesn't seem like it goes along with the tone of what we've talked about so far. Okay. 
so I guess I'll just say it and you guys can Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um I've been I don't know, this is probably gonna be a statement that requires lots of qualifying so people don't get the wrong idea. Should we do uh, it after the break? We, are we, sure, are, we yeah. are we already up at that? Oh so, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Let's okay. do that. We're gonna come back, we're gonna hear from Joy the Girl and Justin and uh, and Luke, the bear over there. Uh, stay with us, guys. Don't forget to get an episode of ApologiaRadio.com. And I want to just say this quickly. Um, praise God for all of you guys that have participated in the All Access, right? Yeah. I think we have almost 200. Yeah, we're, we're getting We're nearing, nearing 200 All Access supporters. That means that you guys are getting more of the content, the television show, the after show, the on the couch. You're going to be getting Apologia Academy. We're grateful. Let me just say it to you. For, with all my heart, we are so grateful. It's because of your participation. You're not just getting all this stuff, all this this ministry, this 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 great content from you know men of God like Dr. White and all the guys we've had on so far that you're going to be seeing. And you, you you listen. You are allowing us to exist as a ministry. You're part of this. So you're part of ministry with us, and we're grateful. You guys can all actually get hooked up with the all-access at ApologiaRadio.com. You can sign up there. It's only a $7.95 a month minimum donation. You can do more. Some people have, and we're grateful for that as well. Uh, but at $7.95, you get the television show every week, the, the extra hour-long after-show television show, On the Couch, the Apology Academy, and all the additional exclusive content that goes towards our all-access uh, partners, and so we're grateful. Thank you guys, and encourage you guys all to get hooked up at apologiaradio.com. Who are you? Who am I? The name's Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. This is my land, and you know, it's rich with gold. Gold! Gold and silver! Silver and gold! Speaking of silver and gold, Marcus, your beard looks amazing. Your beard looks amazing. Are you using Yukon's beard by I am using Yukon's beard every single day. It's made of essential oils, and it helps me get rid of beard drift. And it smells great, too. We really want to thank our sponsors, Yukon's Beard, and we want to encourage all of our listeners to go to yukonsbeard.com, and you can order some of this amazing, magical, mystical beard oil that will change your life and your beard forever. So yukonsbeard.com, it'll change your life. One day this all will change, treat people the same, stop with the violence, down with the That was uh, One Day by Modest Yahoo. And it's interesting because we've talked about this before. Yeah. A lot of Modest Yahoo's lyrics, are, he'll pull from like the Psalms and stuff. Yeah. And by the way, we know he's not a Christian. And we know he's not like, we're not saying go to him for his theology. Right. We're just saying like it's redeemable. Like if he sings a song with the Psalms, yeah. like that's okay. That's good. Like, and he does it well. Um but anyway, what's really great is like the theme of uh, one day is so like victorious and, and one day like, uh, you know, we'll stop with the fighting. And I love that day. song. Yeah. And so that, like, that, that's, that's why I love, I love it because I, I love it. I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> because <laughs> don't, the, don't you like it? Well, it's very Jewish. I mean, it's uh, Jewish eschatology had to do with the victory of the Messiah. Right. So you know, as as much as he's got a warped view of the Messiah, and as much as he has a warped view of 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 what Jewishness truly is. You have to capture the fact that Jewish eschatology is about the victory of the Messiah. So that's why I love the song. I love it. Don't you love it? <laughs> okay, sorry. It's an inside joke between Luke and I. Yeah. Yeah, I got no one that. Else gets yeah. it. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right, Joy. Uh, before we play the glory line, um, tell us what you're thinking. Okay, well, so I have plenty of things to say about this. Obviously, we all do. But um, for some reason, I just continue to think the same thing. And like I said, I don't really know if it fits into the show. So you guys can feel free to jump in because okay. like the soapbox thing is not really completely my style. Um, but uh, like I said, doesn't quite fit in with the tone of the show. But um, I just, I feel really convicted over a lot of stuff that I've been thinking. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we're talking about this like on a kingdom future scope like right. a really big picture type thing uh-huh um but i just i don't know i guess i <laughs> i just i guess this is maybe this is just like a personal confession that i'm deciding to do on the radio show go ahead but i just you know i'm a huge sinner and um i think sometimes we get caught up in these big issues and we sort of forget how much our own sin grieves God and then sin kind of begets sin. And I don't know, sometimes I find myself using these big issues to sort of like rationalize my sin or um, make myself seem faithful or obedient to God. Yeah. So I guess where it fits in is that foundationally, you know, um, before your, your big picture comes into play, your little picture is that, um, you need to be obedient to God and um, know that your sin grieves him and love other people for real and just, I don't know, just check your heart and make sure that you really are loving people. Yeah. And I'm not saying, that, that's what I mean like by having to qualify it. I'm not saying you shouldn't say something. Right. That's definitely not what I'm saying. And I'm not indicting anyone. I'm not saying that if you put something up on social media that you're hating gay people. That's not what I'm saying. It just It's just what I've been thinking. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think it's important, too, that, that there has to be a heart check for the Christian mm -hmm. church and, like, legitimately a heart check for the Christian church. Yeah, I don't that, mean it as, like, a platitude. Like, yeah. check your heart and make sure you love gay people. I mean, like, really, really do, because if you hate them that grieves God. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it is true and it has to be acknowledged and we can't diminish the importance of speaking on this issue because of this. Say, well, we also have our own sins, so don't say anything, but we do need to recognize the Christian church has treated marriage and relationships as a whole as pretty insignificant yeah. and not sacred. So well, consider when you're like reaching for the heart of someone who's caught up in this type of sin, like you're dealing with someone that has sexual sin, which is a really destructive type of sin. Yeah. And just, I mean, just consider like just where they're at, where you're at, like before God, um, where we would all be without God. 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but this no, is I just what you. I keep thinking. Yeah, so, yeah, I think yeah, you're really saying like nothing else that I have to say. Honestly, I mean, I'll you know, I can say other things, but like. Well, I think what I'm getting at is is okay. So so say for example, you've got mega churches, right? Mega churches would say without even a membership. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the theme of our nation mm-hmm. <laughs> in many respects. Not everywhere. So I'm not going to over generalize this. But if you have like a mega church context with no membership and you have people sort of floating in and they're, they say they're at that church for 10 years, every Sunday faithful, maybe even a Wednesday Bible study or whatever. They go to men's groups, camps, whatever. And the whole time they were in, in and out of three or four different relationships with living girlfriends or boyfriends. And no one ever confronted this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one ever said anything. No one ever treated it like a very big deal. Or you have somebody that just divorced because they don't get married anymore. And we yeah. have in, in, in a church situation today where we don't treat that as really overly a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we don't even do church discipline on those issues. So that is a failure. And if you have somebody that's say, and, and I saw this happen on social media, <laughs> I saw it. Somebody got, saying, oh, this is wrong. God defines marriage, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And somebody popped in and was like, wait a minute, you're totally living with your girlfriend sort of yeah. thing. Like, you know, how, and th- so that's hypocrisy. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is that all of our sins against a holy God are worthy of eternal condemnation and separation from God. But however, that doesn't mean that all sins are the same. Like if somebody steals something, it's not the same as, say, um, murder mm-hmm. or some sin like that. So there are de- degrees for God even of sin and what he did. I mean, look at his law. He doesn't say the death penalty for if somebody steals something from somebody mm-hmm. because he, t- he treats sins and crimes as different in degree. Um, but we still need to make sure as a Christian church we are saying something because it is hatred for neighbor. If if they're going into a lifestyle that God calls toeva, an abomination, if as Christians we say, oh, I, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I just want to love my neighbor. It's like, well, love your neighbor is saying something. Loving your neighbor is having a consistent witness yeah, to the there, world. There is no sin that's inconsequential. So I'm definitely, right. yeah, I definitely yeah. don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to say like just take care of your own heart right don't ever say anything because i mean some of my best friends are the people that i can hold accountable and confess mm-hmm. into yeah um but uh i, feel I don't you. know i mean even if the only consequence is that it grieves god yes that should be enough yes yeah yes and and, and uh justin you want to say something before i pull up our glory line i have a lot to say <laughs> okay I, I think one of the things that have that has been very discouraging, especially with social media, is seeing all these people who are calling themselves Christians yet are supporting this movement, who mm, are yeah. changing their profile pictures to the flag or just seem to agree with it and support it. Yeah. And as a Christian, that's, that's kind of hard. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to... Yeah, that's something I struggle with. Yeah. No, I feel you. And and here's the thing. I want to say something kind of goes in line with what Joy was talking about. It, it, maybe it needs to be said. And, I'm not, and I, I don't want to just simply say that, that I'm simply an authority in this issue, and so you need to listen to me. I just want to say this as, as a Christian, going off of what Joy said, um, you know, it's important for us to think about how we engage the issue on social media. Um, for one thing, it needs to be done. Again, I just talked about the discipline and the consistency and the plan of the homosexual advocate groups and, and, and their, their mission. They use every means at their disposal to promote right. their worldview. So Christians, if you don't use it, 
then you're, you're not saying anything in the very place that everybody's talking. Imagine the marketplace of the Apostle Paul. He goes to the marketplaces to engage them where, you're, where they're talking. This is the marketplace. It's the public marketplace. You got to say something. But here's the thing. You got to be, you got to be careful, man. You got, you do have to be very cautious because what you write on social media cannot always be interpreted correctly. So you, you're obviously going to have failures that you can't control or there'll be failings that are uncontrolled, but we, you, we, you have to guard yourself for goodness sakes. You have to check your own hearts, make sure people don't see you as haughty, make sure that you, you, you clearly communicate in such a way that people understand what you're actually saying. You have to love people mm. and, and make sure that on social media, um, you're not blowing up your testimony because you don't think before you say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need to beat people up on social media. You can just simply say the truth of God. You don't need to go through five hours of discussion and beating them over the head till you think they finally get it. Like, you don't get a trophy. Does everyone know that? <laughs> you don't get trophies for social media discussions? Well, and I think that's one of the things that I was like, uh-huh. that I was feeling convicted about when if you haven't, so I'm not saying this is necessarily the case for me, but like, so say you haven't read your Bible today, but you have spent three hours on Facebook debating someone right. about this like you're investing so much time in this thing but no time into your own your own walk your own intimate relationship with god and that could lead to issues what is happening i you're you're like having deep thoughts with joy and jeff's over here eating bacon so no, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm totally with I, I this is beautiful i, I haven't eaten breakfast yet so here. Are you eating on the radio? Yeah, I know. It's the first time I've ever done it, dude. Your Luke does it every day. going to smell like bacon. Bacon. It is bacon, so <laughs> it's okay. Hey, Luke, can you tell everyone about our? <laughs> can you tell everyone about our glory line? I uh, think uh, I think just people need to pray for me because day in and day out, I try to make a professional program, and <laughs> this is what I have to deal with, guys. This is Marcus, what I have. This is why people like us, though. This is. I guess. Because we eat bacon. You know, well, I, I, eat bacon. I heard from somebody, they were listening to the midnight, late, 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 late night show mm-hmm. we did. And uh, the part where Jerry was reading Lecrae, <laughs> he was he was la- he was driving and he was laughing so hard he started crying and he almost swerved off the road. <laughs> wow! But that's why people like us. All right, we have a glory line, guys. Sorry, the glory you, that, back line. To that, yeah. Glory line. The glory line is the line you guys can call and you can get uh, on. Uh, Apologia Radio and uh, leave a comment uh, and c- complaint. <laughs> no, don't do that. Unless you want to. We m- might not play that, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, we will. I might say. <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we might save those for I'm joking. Special. I'm totally joking. Um, so, uh, at Glory Line, you can leave a, an encouraging message. You can leave a, you can leave a uh, complaint. You can leave uh, question. a question, comments, all that stuff. The Glory Line. What's the number for the Glory Line, Marcus Pittman? 909-65-GLORY. 909. Don't you, what is that don't noise? You, don't you touch that button. Okay. I don't, don't know. You, don't you oh, touch that? that button. You all hear it? Oh, what's that I hear it. Don't what you is that touch noise? that button. What's I feel that a rumble in my soul. I, I hear something. Waiting. I, I hear something. What's oh, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. I had it plugged into my phone. We're good. Do you guys know what that is? Just passed by us. That's the gospel train. Justin, you know what the gospel train is? I have no idea. We have a train that goes back and forth behind us. And uh, we prepared a special song, Luke did, for when it happens, we play the gospel train. 
we stop what we're doing because the gospel train's coming through. Yeah. Only people dancing need- right now are the guys and not the girl. <laughs> just want to point that you out. You don't need no ticket. You just get on board. Let the Holy Ghost come in. So I want to encourage you guys to call the glory line. Uh, Marcus Pittman, yeah. what number should they call for the glory line? 909-65-GLORY. 909-65-GLORY. Glory. That's the best part. I love that part. Yeah. Power to change. <laughs> All right, guys. So we got the glory line. Here you go. You guys called in, and we listened. Hey, guys. My name is Abel. I live down in Tampa, Florida, and just wanted to let you guys know how much I appreciate all y'all been doing. I've been listening for two years. I'm going to my local abortion clinic for two years. Uh, as a result, we've seen uh, babies saved and, and the gospel proclaimed. And it all began with uh, listening to the challenge put forth by Apology Radio two years ago. And we appreciate and love you guys. Thanks. Glory. Shut up. That is awesome. Did you hear what he said? Yeah, I did. I missed right it. What do you say? I don't see anybody. <laughs> else. We were just listening to it. I don't, so. I don't see anybody else freaking out. He said, "We're just." I said, to "Glory." It. Is that not? <laughs> we don't want to be That's what I want. That's what I want for. Okay. 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 That's awesome news, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's two years ago. We did a show, and we've done lots of shows on abortion, but we called the church and ourselves to get busy in this ministry. Did you hear what he said? He said, we've seen babies saved. Amen. So awesome. babies saved. Amazing. Babies saved. Babies are living today because of what God has done in the lives of Christians who get on their feet to go to these abortion clinics and uh, praise God. I assumed yes. he didn't mean that babies have become regenerate. No, but, uh, no, no, no. He meant uh, they're, they're alive. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. All right, so we got another one. Here we go, Glory Line. How do you guys respond to the argument presented by many atheists and evolutionists that our morality was developed as a necessity to maintain uh, our species, to maintain the growth and prosperity and health of our species, that we develop morality so we'll group together as a people and work together to continue to prosper? How do you guys respond to that argument? Excellent question. That's good music for the, that question, you think? Every time you play this song, I just picture Turtle shaking his biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> turtle shaking his biscuits? Remember Not you played that, that one time dance. and he was like getting down? He's like, yeah, yeah. He does that a lot. He, he got some. He's he gets got some, down. He, he's some like, groove he, in the what, do you call, what, do you, what, what do the kids call it? He crunks? I don't know. I don't know. No, that's, that's definitely <laughs> I not. I don't think you want your... <laughs> that's, that's definitely not the right... The right term. No? What? No. what is that bad? <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So stay with us. I'm going to answer the question about um, atheism there and morality. How do we respond to somebody that asks or, sorry, answers the issue of how to justify morality in that way? It's important because atheists, that's it. That's what they say all the time. They say, give me a justification for morality at all. Did you like that? At all. At all. <laughs> and they say, well, we as a species have discovered that we need to work together in groupings and do these things to promote human flourishing. And so that's where morality comes from. So the basis of morality is that we won't flourish as human beings and as a species if we do these things to one another. So that's why we don't do them. And that's why we tell others not to do them. So what do we say? Stay with us and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Crunk. Crunk, crunk, crunk. <laughs> <laughs>
What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. So that is a common response by the atheist as to why we have morality at all yeah, and why it should matter at all. And that really is, if you think about it, that's about the only thing that can be suggested in a meaningful way yeah. that's consistent with the atheistic position besides... Something like Dr. Will Provine says, who's the professor of biology at Cornell, or was at least the professor of biology at Cornell. Provine is just more honest. He says, there is no imminent morality. There is no imminent morality. We live, we die, and we're gone. We're absolutely gone when we die. He says he said that a lot. Uh, he said it mm. on, uh, on the movie with Ben Stein. Yeah. He said it in lectures. That's his thing. There is no imminent morality. And, and he is real with the implications of his evolutionary biology. Did you, did you see the professor, speaking of being consistent, the professor that said, uh, because of Obama, I saw it, it popped up in my uh, Facebook feed, because of Obamacare, we should uh, kill disabled infants. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Here you go. Well, so when you think about the implications of the worldview, the worldview issue, the atheist says that we are all just a bag of protoplasm, ultimately, that we live in an unpurposed, ungoverned, unguided universe. Uh, there is no sovereign creator over it who created it with purpose, who carries it along, that we are all the random results of evolutionary pro processes that happened time and chance acting on matter, that our ancestors were fish. You've got that whole story, right? So the, the atheist can be honest and like Provine is, and say there is no imminent morality. It's an illusion. Stop fooling yourself. Or you can try, as an image bearer of God who is suppressing the truth of God and unrighteousness, to come up with some sort of a meaningful answer as to why protoplasm should care what happens to other protoplasm. And so what will you have to say? I, I mean, it'd probably be the answer I'd give if I, if I was in that position. Uh, you want to say there's value and dignity in human life, so you got to come up with some sort of answer as to why this would be, uh, matter at all. And so the atheist says, well, we can't prosper as a species 
if we do these things to one another. If we're raping, if we're murdering, we can't prosper as a species. We'll wipe each ourselves out if we do these things. Now, here's the, here's the thing to point, point out. You've got to point out the borrowed capital. The unbeliever has automatically right there assumed mm-hmm. that human lo- life is valuable at all. What do you, what's the assumption there? What's the, what's the assumption that's just gr- taken, taken for granted? The assumption is human life is valuable and meaningful and that we should try to preserve it. But watch this. Why don't we just kerosene the whole anthill like some atheists have suggested? Why don't we just fall into nihilism? Or like Stalin has done. Yes, exactly. Or Paul Pot or Mao. Why don't we just destroy life? What are you assuming? You're assuming life is valuable and meaningful in the first place and ought to be preserved. But watch this. That's the very thing that's being asked of you as an atheist to justify. How are we going to have life as valuable and meaningful at all given your worldview and your, mm-hmm. and your position? So watch this. It's very important. This, this It's totally arbitrary. That's the thing to point out to them. You've got the universe val- is meaningless, yeah. and so are you. Yeah, you've got value A. Value A over here is preserve life. Value B over here is destroy all life. Okay? Now, you've chosen one, Mr. Atheist, over the other, but both have risen up over time in this time and chance universe. You've got people that want to destroy life. Would you agree with that? There are people who just want to wipe out people. So that's one th- that's one value that's risen up over evolutionary time, wouldn't you agree? You've got people who want to destroy life, who don't see it as valuable or meaningful. There is no human dignity. They want to destroy people. You've got another value that's risen up over evolutionary time that says preserve life. Both have risen up. You've arbitrarily picked one over the other. But listen, there is no reason to chastise the person whose ancestors used to be fish, who believes that all life should be wiped out. What if the reasoning went something like this? Well, you know, there's a lot of pain in this world. A lot of people suffer in this world. Life actually brings a lot of trauma and pain into people's lives. What would actually be best for the world is if we actually just ended the suffering and pain all at once because there's so much suffering in this world. I believe that we, the good moral thing would be to wipe out humanity because it would end all of this needless suffering in this purposeless universe. What, what argument do you have as an atheist with that person? He has determined that given his worldview, he believes that all life should be destroyed. That's actually a good, moral, happy thing. The unbeliever over here who says that life has evolved through purposeless time and chance has no real argument. And what's loaded into their answer? Human value and dignity. But watch this. You don't get that with atheism. You, you, you have two values, again, risen up. They've arbitrarily chosen one over the other. You can't do that. You see, only the biblical worldview can grant to you the value, dignity, and a respect for human life that you want in the argument. Because we're not just protoplasm in a purposeless universe. We're actually imago dei, in the image of God, inherently valuable with dignity, full of respect, ultimately, because we're in the imago dei. We reflect the value, beauty, and worth of the infinitely valuable and beautiful God. And so that's what you get with God. But you tell the unbeliever, you see, you can't justify that. You've just simply proclaimed it. Listen, you can't justify um, that position simply by announcing it. In other words, well, it helps with human flourishing. Well, that's not a justification. You've simply announced it. That doesn't justify it. We're asking you to justify it. Give me a justification as to why human life should flourish at all. And I, you can't have it in atheism. So that's I, the answer. I actually had a conversation with a 
a guy who used to go to my church and now has harshly apostatized this week. And he said that there is no objective morality. Honest. He said, and he said rape and incest and child molestation, in his own words, are not immutably wrong. Wow. Mm. There you go. Oh, but but here's the thing. He, that's right. Luke's got it. At least you've got to respect the atheist who's consistent. But now, he's not now, really consistent now unless your, he's actually living that out. Right. 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 Keep your children right. away from him. <laughs> right. Right? Right. right exactly. Like, remind me not to let my kids play with yours. Absolutely. But you've got to at least respect that moment of integrity where the unbeliever actually reveals the implications of the worldview. Instead of just pretending like those are not there, like you gotta, you got to respect in Dawkins' book, A River Out of Eden, where he says the universe is indifferent, there is no good, there is no evil, only blind and pitiless indifference. you got to say, good job, Professor Dawkins. Thank you for being having integrity. Now, you shouldn't have to have integrity, but I, as a Christian, appreciate it. Um, and now the rest of his life, you're right, Marcus, won't follow that course. He'll still get upset when people steal from him. He'll still demand that publishers honor their contract and promises with him as though there were some objective, like, right. morality that his publishers have to hold to. Right. Isn't it amazing Dawkins enters into agreements with publishers? <laughs> we, should, we should challenge them to live that way. Right. Blind, penniless, indifferent. Hey, do you know? Do you know how? Did you, you say penniless? Is that's what he said, right? Blind, blind, pitiless, indifferent. Pitiless, penniless, indifferent. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. So, do you, do you know? Do you know how you can tell that Dawkins doesn't believe what he says? How? Do, do he know makes how a lot tell? of money. Do you know how you can tell every single time? Follow him into the He's room. Not penniless. Follow him into the room when he signs the contract with his publisher. Yeah. As he's signing the contract, you can just laugh because that's the exposure <laughs> of the collapse of his worldview right absolutely and uh yeah so there you go so there you go we're going to come back and we're going to do another segment here we're going to talk about supreme court stuff we're going to talk about scotus we're going to talk about what what what's happened in our nation and how to respond to it with the gospel we will be right back apologiaradio.com Hi, this is Warner with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker, I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter, Apologia Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. ApologiaRadio.com Justin Bond. Bond. I knew it was going to go there. Justin 
Bond. I don't know if we can. Seems a little too easy. Justin, I think she said that's a little too easy. It just that's obvious. Like, I have like to make my we, next track in order. So it's, <laughs> it would it's, be like if we, if with Luke's nickname, we just went with like a Star Wars thing. That'd be lazy. We can't bond. It's too lazy. It's lazy. But it's, it's always so like good. raise your standards. <laughs> raise your standards. You can't call him like 009 or something. <laughs> 009er. <laughs> 009er. I don't know. Keep All pitching right. them. Here we go, I'll guys. Let you know. Let's get right into the president speaking on the Supreme Court's decision on mirage equality. Our nation was founded on a bedrock principle that we are all created equal. The project of each generation is to bridge the meaning of those founding words with the realities of changing times. And let's get into that right away. Notice how this debate has been framed, um, that this is an issue of equality, that, right. look, we've had victory now on equality. Listen, that's not the issue. Christians believe that everybody, whether with homosexual desires or heterosexual desires, are all equal image bearers of God, valuable have worth, dignity, and all of that. This is not an issue of equality. This is an issue here of redefinition. That's mm -hmm. what it is. It's calling circles squares and squares circles. That's what took place with the Supreme Court. They declared that circles were squares, and they did it w with pride. Mm -hmm. Jiggery-pokery. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, he he there's more than one bedrock principle that this nation was founded on. Equality was one, yes. Another one was that marriage is between man and woman. Yeah, well, our nation was found. If you want yeah. to talk about a founding of our nation and the colonies and where we went for independence and the war for independence and all the rest and all, the, all that was built underneath that was the biblical worldview. I mean, people have, have said that George Whitfield was the first president in the United States because of his preaching. It was his preaching and his doctrine, his theology that raised up the colonies and brought us to where we were. Now, there's no one saying it was a Christian utopia. It wasn't. There weren't all believers and they weren't perfectly Christian. They didn't do everything right. But let's face it, you can't escape from the fact that it was a biblical worldview. That's what our, fashion, our, our nation was founded upon. And, and, if, and if you want to actually frame this debate correctly, frame it correctly. Say this, we don't want God as our ruler. We don't ha want his word as the standard. And we don't want to have the proper definition of marriage. I'm pretty sure they said that when they lit up the White House like a rainbow. Oh, yeah, that's I mean. precisely, yes. <laughs> the, 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 the capital of our nation that the place of highest authority in our nation, shouting to God, we want your judgment. We don't want your ways. We don't want you as Lord over us. We don't want your word as the standard. And so they broadcast their pride like Sodom. And that was what came from the highest place of authority in our nation. And uh, do we love these people with all of our hearts? Do we want them to know Christ with all of our hearts? And that's why this is so painful as a Christian, because you're watching people plummet off a cliff. But notice the framing of the debate. It's very slippery. Finally, equality has been won. No, redefinition has been won. And abandonment of God as the authority has been won. A never-ending quest to ensure those words ring true for every single American. Progress on this journey often comes in small increments, sometimes 
Two steps forward, one step back, propelled by the persistent effort of dedicated citizens. That needs to be highlighted, persistency. Mm. Man, get the book, um, A Queer Thing Happened to America. Um, it, it is amazing. It will, it, it, it'll kick you in the teeth as a Christian, I'll be yeah. honest. It kicked me in the teeth. They were so disciplined. They were so disciplined. They were so consistent. They had such a goal in mind. And he's right. Man, they worked hard at this. And they did a good job. If you think about the fact that you have 3% of the population right. actually professing to be homosexual or bisexual or having these sort of um, uh, um, inclinations, 3%. And, th- and this 3% has convinced the nation that most of America is for this or the majority of America is homosexual, mm-hmm. you know, or something to yeah, that effect. That's what, that's what Anthony Scalia said in his dissent. He said that nine elected, not nine unelected representatives of the nation who don't even represent a majority of the population in terms of demographic uh, made a ruling based on their own personal views mm. and not based on law. And he called it, you know, it's judicial tyranny. J- judicial tyranny. Imperialism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't call it anything, uh, anything other than yeah. that. That's what he's it is. on the bench. That's and what he's it like, is. this yeah. is not a democracy anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and it's a good point to, to say something. These unelected officials by the people legislating this monstrosity over against the clear majority rule. So even if you want to believe in a democracy, if you don't want to believe that God's word is the ultimate standard and that really God has the final authority in the nation, if you want to call it a democracy, let it look like a democracy, for goodness sakes. This isn't, this isn't democratic. This isn't the majority ruling. This isn't even that. This is, again, judicial tyranny. That's right. Right, because remember, the, the court case they were ruling on was a, uh, based off a democratic vote. And they right. ruled against what the people wanted right. and said, hey, it doesn't matter if you want it, we want it. Right. Us nine want it. That's so. right. Yeah. So the responsibility of uh, lesser magistrates is to resist. In a, in, in a biblical framework, the lesser magistrates would need to resist. Like Judge Roy Moore is. Yeah. So Judge Roy Moore is uh, on the Supreme Court in Alabama, and mm-hmm. he's pretty much said, we're not following this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're following God. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah, that's, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. And I think, was it another governor, was it the governor of uh, Texas? Texas, yeah. That said, we're not following this. Mm. Yeah. Our people don't want it. We're not going to follow it. Things are still developing there uh, for sure. But this does get us to another discussion we can't have today, but it'd be good to start talking about whether the state actually has a biblical role in declaring marriage or granting mm. marriage. Not at all. That, that, that's a whole other discussion. No, that's the discussion. Yeah, well, I'm saying <laughs> We're you, done. You, you, you can have that as the primary issue, is does the state even have a real responsibility in yeah. the issue of actually declaring marriage? My answer is no. The state does have the responsibility before God in enforcing contracts, but not declaring marriage. And so the state does have a role in the enforcement of contracts made between parties, making sure that um, justice is given when somebody breaks a contract, but the state has no role biblically in actually declaring marriage to be marriage. So how do you defeat this? In an instant. 
in one fell swoop take away the state's role in issuing marriage certificates. Well, that's what Alabama did. And you've removed it. That's what that's what Alabama did. They passed mm. a law that says no more marriage license by the state. That's right. Mm. That's so, how you, that's how you remove that. You yeah. remove this whole issue. Yep. Yeah, but remember, it was the Christians, or or you know, that that put in the state gave the state the right to issue marriage licenses because they wanted to keep uh, segregation segregated marriages off off. Uh, they didn't want uh, black and whites to marry, and so it was racism. Huh. Uh, by the church that said, hey, we'll let the state issue marriage license now, and that way we can prevent blacks from getting married. Oh, that's an and interesting we can study. I actually, yeah, I actually no, don't know that study. Somebody posted oh. an article about that this week that it was actually, you know, the church surrendering their liberty yeah. because of bad theology. But bad watch, theology impacts a lot. It does. But watch this, Marcus. This is important. When you give the state this kind of power over marriage— and then the state does not recognize their position as under God, as Romans 13, God's servant, then they wield the sword unjustly in so many different ways. And this in particular is one, you've told the state that you're the God of the system. You are the voice of the God of the system. You are the one that tells us what is good, righteous, holy, and moral. And so we look to you to decide, is this moral? Is this good? Tell us, God, tell us what is good and we'll obey. And the Supreme Being in Washington, D.C. gave the declaration and said, well, we define marriage as this. And you have to ask the question as a Christian, well, is that even their responsibility? No, they're not God. God is the one who defines what marriage is. And then sometimes there are days like this when that slow, steady effort is rewarded with justice that arrives like a thunderbolt. This morning, the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution guarantees marriage equality. Um, Marriage equality. Listen, here's what's important. Every man in the United States of America has had marriage equality before this. Mm -hmm. They had to write to marry a woman Mm -hmm. of their choice. Every woman had marriage equality. She could, nobody was stopping her from marrying. But what marriage is not is mirror images mar- uh, coming together in a union. Mm-hmm. Man to man is a mirror image. Woman to woman is a mirror image. You're not marrying anything. If uh, Marriage, by definition, is the taking of things that are different and bringing, the, bringing them together as one. You can't marry two things together that are the same. They're the same. So, for example, you ever do, do a lot of cooking, Joy? You do a lot of cooking, right? Yes. Um, and so, do you know? You, you, like, if you ever read in like recipe books, I noticed this a couple weeks ago. If you ever read in, like a recipe book or someone's doing a recipe, they talk about taking all the spices and everything. You put them in. Mm-hmm. You put your you put your your pepper in, your salt in, your cumin in, whatever. And they say, and they will marry together. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're all different and they yeah. become together, right? But you would never say this. Um, Put apples your, marry with put, apples. Put your five pounds yeah. of, of this in, and they'll five marry pounds. together. <laughs> you, you, you'd be like, you'd be like, well, wait a second, wait a second. That's you don't even need to say the word marry. Just tell me to put it in. Yeah, because there's, there's nothing no happening. symbiosis. Yes. there. Oh. That's right. That's right. Oh. Big words with joy. Yes, he goes symbiosis. You got the homeschool kids behind you. Who are like, yeah, yeah. What symbiosis? <laughs> they right. could probably spell it. Can yeah. you spell it? 
symbiosis. No. Like, I, Marcus is in the control room with two uh, woodpeckers. I, I like, S-Y-M-B-I-O-S-I-S. I do like how <laughs> he tried. You you went you brought up the cooking discussion and you immediately went to Joy. No, because Joy likes to cook. Joy's a girl. Oh, stop it. Get to like cooking. cooking. Get to cooking. <laughs> Luke, the I inner like, feminist. I took it in the correct way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She it's likes to cook. It's all about equality, Marcus. She likes to cook. <laughs> in doing so, they've reaffirmed that all Americans are entitled to the equal protection of the law. They are, and that's not what happened here. Right. That all people should be treated equally, regardless of who they are or who they love. Oh, let's take that and run with it. Can we have that, Mr. President? Let me take that claim and let me run with it. Let me run with oh. it. That opens how, the floodgates how, right let's there. open the floodgates, Mr. President. Whoever I love... So how about man-boy love? How about Misty Atkinson of Nice, California, 32 years old, who hooked up with her biological son over Facebook, who was 16 years old, and was found in a hotel room performing all kinds of sexual acts on this boy, and they found photographs and videos and everything else of these sexual acts on, uh, with her son. How about Misty Atkinson? Can Misty Atkinson love whomever she wants is does love get to win with misty atkinson but mr president she only has genetic attraction disorder you don't understand she was born that way oh you see so let her love whoever she wants how about the german couples in germany or in germany right now that are fighting over the right to, to commit incest with each other mr president can anyone love anyone they want can they have equality how about the man in Montana that after the ruling on Friday went in to marry his other wife? He wants two. And he was so inspired by the court's ruling that love would win that he went to the courthouse to get a marriage certificate for his second wife. Mr. President, can love win there? Is it the same? Do you have something you want to say, Joe? I saw you. Well, no, I just, I thought it was interesting that he said, well, I actually kind of forget his exact words but he said whoever right before he said whoever you love he said whoever you are i i don't really know what that means <laughs> what do you mean whoever no matter whoever you are um i guess that i would take that to mean that we're sinners so is he right in that uh, aspect like that's good all right guys stay with us we got more to say on this guys very important issue right here on Apologia Radio. Get more at ApologiaRadio.com. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. Don't forget, get the appy at Google Play or iTunes. Become all access right now at ApologiaRadio.com. Get more content. Hey, this is Drew from the Gotham Central Podcast. Tune into our show each week as Mike, Ross, and myself bring you all the latest news and reviews from your favorite DC Comics television show, Gotham. Listen in as three aspiring Reformed theologians discuss some of the best story arcs, comics, and movies in the Batman universe. You can check out the Gotham Central podcast on iTunes, join our Facebook group called Gotham Central, and follow us on Twitter at Gotham underscore Central. We hope you tune in each week. Same bat time, same bat place. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by saying, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore, 
a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. That really is the foundational issue here. It is God himself who defines the family. He has given to us the blueprint of all of society. And this is something I say, you guys have heard me say this probably a million times. I said it this last Sunday at church, that when God created the world as a master builder, the very first institution that he creates is the family. And the first institution he creates is male, female, together as one, as image of God. When he sees that Adam is lacking in something, and it's not good for him to be alone, mm-hmm. he doesn't create a mirror image of Adam. Right. He creates something to complement Adam and something for Adam to complement. We are truly gifted as males and truly gifted as females. Those are unique gifts, and they come together as complementary, together as imago dei. It says in Genesis chapter 1, if you read from verse 26, in the image of God, he created them. Mm together, imago dei. And Jesus, God in the flesh, when he becomes man and he walks among us, they ask him about God's purposes in marriage. The question is about divorce, of course, but that springboards into what God's intention is in marriage. And he says, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined together in his wife. Notice there that there's also the leaving of whom? What's the unit he leaves? What is the unit that he leaves? The father right. and the mother. And we just experienced... Um, Last Friday, as a result of the Supreme Court's decision, um, one of the most awful things we could do to our society in terms of destroying the very blueprint of society. Before God does anything else in the world, he makes the family, and he defines what it is. And our society says no to God. And I think you guys, again, have heard me say this a million times. What do we do in our culture today? We say no to God's blueprint. We say no to it. We don't want your ways. We don't want your blueprint. We want to do what you say to do here. And we kill our babies. So the cultural mandate is together image of God, right? Be fruitful and multiply. multiply. And so what do we do today? We go, to, we go right to the heart of it. We say, you're not the creator. We don't need this institution. And we will not multiply as you say. Mm-hmm. God, it's like the cre- it's just coming right at the very core of life, right? Is it any coincidence that the generations that have just recently preceded us, that have adopted a neo-Darwinian micro-mutation, macro-evolutionary view of the world, an evolutionary view of the world that is these generations that are going at the very heart of the scriptures. Creation, special creation by God, gender distinctions, family, marriage, and then babies. And I'll tell you what, a nation cannot Mm -hmm. last long like this. Romans 1 says that... God hands them over to do what is against nature, to do what is against nature. And they know that those who do these things deserve to die. And listen, they not only do them, they not only do them, but they give Mm -hmm. hearty approval. They not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who do. That is the result of a fallen world. The U.S. That is um, some footage from what took place outside the Supreme Court. This is the supporters in D.C. reacting to the marriage ruling. Today means 
means a lot for millions of couples and families around the country who, if the court rules in our favor, will be able to sleep a little bit easier every night. You know, it's a work in progress. It's inevitable that equality is going to happen. And so we're hopeful today is going to be the end of that road for the near term. It's exciting energy. People have brought their kids, people have brought their parents, their grandparents. It's a really hopeful energy on this plaza and I, I hope the court's going to step up and uh, make sure that people across this country get the equality they, they and their families deserve. Everyone is very hopeful, everyone is very excited. Um, I mean, I think we're all just on pins and needles right now. We're celebrating that we're going to be able to get married in our home state, Texas. Yes. Anybody else think that it's interesting that President Obama, the White House, seemed prepared on Friday <laughs> with the lights? Like, yeah. or is that something you just kind of snap together super quick? <laughs> or it just seems a really, lot of cities seem prepared. Seem kind of ready mm. yeah. for it. Yeah. Can um, I just add something here? Of you course. Know, remember when Obama was. Uh, first in office or he was running for office and everyone was concerned that he was like, I mean, well, not everybody, but like some crazy people were concerned that he, he didn't have a, the birth certificate and he was a secret, you know, terrorist from another country. Like, Antichrist. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the truth is though, he's a domestic terrorist, mm. right? Like he is again, he's a traitor to the foundation of our society. Mm. And he's, he's one of the greatest terrorists I think our nation has ever had. And to do that was to dest he destroyed our nation mm. in eight terms right away. And everyone's applauding and cheering for the terrorism that just took place there. Mm. So that's my thoughts. Pretty, pretty, well, well pretty said. significant. Um, Joy? Um, well, I just, I was going to say, like, I mean, essentially what it is is a bunch of people that that aren't saved and they're not regenerate and... Basically, they just got the pass to do what they want. And so to me, it, like, it makes sense. It's sad that they're cheering, but it makes sense yeah. that they're cheering. Yeah. Um, well, they have, yeah. A lot to, they have a lot in, in the short term from a biblical perspective to celebrate. And, and I want to say this. I, I, again, I hate that we even have to say this, okay? But I'm, I'm going to put it on record. Um, every single person that is celebrating this right now... Um, I'm as much a sinner as they are, and I'm as equally guilty of sexual sin, okay? Mm. So when I, when I speak as a Christian towards this issue, it does not come from the place of a person who has not been sinful sexually in my past, and it does not come from a place of a person that is perfectly whole in, all, in every way. It's a person who's being transformed. But you see, something happens to a person who's redeemed. Their heart is transformed and they go, they begin to see their sin against God and they begin to have a love for God and a love for his word, a love for his truth. And listen, that transformation ought to cause Christians to, to be able to have courage enough to say something. Because listen, here's the thing. Now that I, in hindsight, I can look back as, back as a redeemed person at my own life. I, I, I know that God is sovereign, but I almost wish I could say like, God, I wish you would have sent someone to me like in the midst of my depravity and my sexual sin. I mean, I was, I was sexually active at, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian church. I was sexually active at 
I mean, I was experimenting like around eight years old. I was sexually active by, by 12 or 13. Um, and this, so that's, that's where I come from in all this. And I, and I wish now knowing what I know about God and his love and his truth, that I could have had somebody come to me in that place and, and, and show me the truth. And so when I, when I do this as a Christian and speak against this, it's not from a, a, a lofty high place saying, look how much more holy we are than you. Right. It's really grieving saying, you don't know what you're doing. You're destroying yourself and you're, you're losing the beauty of what God has in his purpose for sexuality. I wish the culture would see that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel they see, you know, the most extreme of people who are calling themselves Christians saying they're going to hell, they need to burn, but they don't see people who truly believe the Bible and live it out saying, no, we love you. We come in the same, we're in the same spot as you are mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense. Well, and it, I think there's a reason for that. Like we talked about at the very beginning of this show, sort of the movement that was created and it was done very well. And there's been success ultimately, especially now there's been success in this movement. And so like there's certain propaganda that hasn't been, pushed people aren't um they're not encouraged to remember the christian that is being loving they're not encouraged to remember the testimony of the transgendered ex-transgender right not encouraged to remember that they are encouraged to think of christians in a hateful way and so Mm. like when you're talking about this movement it was this it's this little pre-packaged thing Mm -hmm. every like they everyone's thinking exactly how they're supposed to think right because of how this was presented because mm-hmm. of you're so they, just they are so good at it mm-hmm. and um that's that's why we need good christian media to counter that christian yeah. propaganda mm-hmm. well you used the word not me i'm saying it right now to explain i it. like what doug wilson says yeah. though the editorial board of the christian culture like who who is the editorial board for the christian culture like we don't have one Mm. It's CNN and MSNBC and Fox News that's mm-hmm. pushing the humanistic agenda. Yeah. And yes, Fox News is pushing a very humanistic agenda. Yeah. And so and so um, we need a massive, I'm just going to use the term media empire that pushes the Christian agenda. That's that's what Faithfully, needs to happen. Faithfully, righteously, truthfully. And yeah, and, and, and Christians that think long term that don't think about the next five years, but think about the next 500 years, have to be thinking about how do we do that? Like, how mm-hmm. do we build, how do we build mm-hmm. up a real representation of, of true Christianity that the world can see that shows a broken heart for the lost and still remains faithful to God's truth? Because people tend to fall on either side, right? There are either super mushy, like a bag of jello, mm-hmm. right, over here, or they're just, like Wilson says, the bones of a skeleton, and that's terrifying, yeah. right? So they're like, we well, gotta have truth. You gotta have truth. So like that. Well, well, Wilson puts it this way: if you're just a mushy bag of flesh, that's grotesque. Yeah. Right. But if you're also just the yeah. skeleton, that's terrifying to kids. Right. <laughs> it got, you gotta be both. You gotta have the truth that holds everything up, and you gotta be sensitive and have flesh, you know, and a heart, and those sorts of things that are sensitive. We have to be like that. And um, and I I think that um one of the important things about media is if you look at uh, shows today, whenever they portray a Christian, oh yeah, it, generally speaking, the Christian is the bigoted, hateful, ridiculous, like even the funny ones, mm-hmm. like in Community. Mm-hmm. Community, um, what's her name? Uh, the black lady. Is yeah. she, what's that? Uh, 
It's I can't. Think you you might know what I'm talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. She's hilarious. Yeah. And when surely. she surely and when she and when she does her silly little Christian things, it's it's funny. But then if you pull back and think about it, they're making her look like a moron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's not thoughtful. Well, Ned Flanders. Right. I mean, he's like been the biggest portrayal of a Christian I think that anybody probably knows, and he's been around forever, and he's just like sort of an airhead and right or angela from the office right yeah and and and, and exactly oh man exactly yeah she's definitely not yeah and and so but 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 every person that's a homosexual quote-unquote homosexual Mm -hmm. character in a show is Mm -hmm. smart thinking Mm -hmm. you know uh loving gracious so so that's on purpose i'm gonna tell you right now sometimes they do put the stereotypes in though like especially on reality television I think is more damaging to the homosexual community. Like, especially like on the newest season of Big Brother, they got like the most flamboyant, weird homosexual guy ever. And I just think, well, that's uh, that's great for us. Whenever I see that, I just think that is great. That that uh, that is an opposition to homosexuality. I think. The and it's interesting. The I've done I've done I've done some work for like film and TV stuff. Not a, a ton, but I've done some work. And I can tell you this, everything that I have ever done, I, without question, anything I've ever done, when I was in the middle of it, like filming it or whatever, I was surrounded by people who were practicing homosexuals and things like that. And, and that didn't bother me, but it, it did say something to me then and even now that it's interesting that the people who were most in, in control of the casting mm. and they were on set with me and those sorts of things, they were, even the discussions, I remember this, we did the final foo for MTV, uh, 2005 and on that show the casting um, uh, agency that cast me for the show when I flew out to LA to go first be seen by them um, I think I think everybody in the room was homosexual I mean it was it was it was it was obvious they were saying and they were talking about stuff conversations mm-hmm. happening when I was on set for Final Foo almost everybody on set that was in charge of anything was was was, was, was oh, that's all they would talk about mm. And I mean, they were t- it would have, you know, and so it was interesting to, to, to see that world. And, and what Michael Brown points out in A Queer Thing Happened in America is that there are actual, like, like organizations that, that are in Hollywood that, that right. actually review scripts and right. try to give suggestions like yeah. you need to have more homosexual representative in this film mm-hmm. or whatever. We don't like how you said that or how you portray the homosexual. Where's that for the yeah. Christians, right? And see, that that's what we're missing in many, many ways. And uh, wow, we're going to review some more of the president's comments here in just a moment. And we're going to talk about a few objections uh, that you might get. Uh, don't judge. Um, uh, you should be able to love who you want. And you're just being a cafeteria Christian, those sorts of things, when you pull out homosexuality as something to stand against. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com. We actually, this is interesting, in the middle of this episode, we paused and filmed the TV show. So we're coming back to the show after we did the TV show. You can get all that content at ApologiaRadio.com. I want you to see it. I'm just going to announce it. I don't want to date this too much, but I'll announce it. We just recorded a TV show with Colin Gunn, who did the show, Wait Till It's Free. It was an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, if, if anything, you need to get to the episode to listen to his Scottish accent. It was <laughs> wonderful. All right, guys. Be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. The profanation of marriage is gaining legs within our culture with the same-sex marriage debate. This is church, a gospel issue. We have to be salt. We must be light on this issue of same-sex marriage. 
This is Joy Tembe with Apologia Radio. I urge you guys to pray for the homosexual community. Then log on to realharmony.org to equip yourselves with the resources we've provided. This is the ministry bear. Here's the issue. The same-sex attracted community has a symbol that's universally recognized. It's an equal sign. You see it everywhere. Until now, the Christian community has not had a symbol that represents true, harmonious, biblical marriage. Go to realharmony.org and buy a sticker. They're three bucks a piece. Get your church to buy them by the truckloads. Help us redeem the culture. And let me reiterate, this is not a political issue only. This is a gospel issue. Realharmony.org. Before we address some more of the president's comments and get into some biblical text here on this last segment, Luke, you wanted to have a discussion about our response as the church. I knew that was coming too. Okay, so I have. <laughs> this is funny. Now, hold on. I got a story about this. There were supposed to be guys coming all day. They took between 10 and 3 to fix our AC. I've been waiting all day because I knew they'd call during the Fix show. Our AC, my AC at my oh, house. Okay, and I knew they'd call me in the middle of a show, and they waited till like the last stinking segment. We've been recording all day. Yeah. Anyways, you should have just I, answered. Well, yeah. On yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Sorry, that completely. You're on apology or radio. Um, okay, so what I was saying was, um, and this is kind of stemming off of the message you gave on Sunday, which. People, if you haven't heard it or seen it, you got to go to ApologiaRadio.com and see the sermon Jeff gave on Sunday. Um, so how do we respond then as the church? Um, and how we should not be responding is, you know, hiding behind our doors, locking, locking them and, and not saying anything and being scared and waiting for the rapture. That's not, that's how we should not respond. We should be responding with the gospel. And I know Jeff and myself and Marcus have been talking about this the last few days. Uh, we truly believe that this is going to start. The end result is going to be uh, a transformation of the gospel or by the gospel in this nation, in this culture. We're going to see a revival. It's going to be the outworking of this. You know, God's sovereign all, over all this. He didn't just, he, you know, this didn't just happen without him knowing it. We shouldn't feel defeated as Christians you know, and just, woe is me, you know, walk around like Eeyore. Like we should, we should feel emboldened. We should, it, we should speak with the, with the power of Christ, um, proclaiming the gospel to this, to this issue. And I, and we really truly believe that there's going to be revival that we're going to see the church and we're going to see Christ's kingdom yeah, I was grow thinking, as a result of this. I was talking about, I was talking to a friend in Virginia, uh, this week about this and he brought up that, you know, was it was Sodom and Gomorrah? He he was asked, uh, "What if I can find one Christian, and will will you save uh, Sodom?" And 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 God was like, "Yes." And think about America. There's a lot of Christians here in America. Mm. I mean, there's a great there, point. there's more Christians in Apologia Church than there were in Sodom. Yeah. Right. So the question is, what's going to happen now? You know. So I mean, I think that's a. a you know, a, a kind of proof of the post-millennial worldview. It's not Sodom. There's way more Christians here 
we just need to be stirred into action and maybe this is what will stir us into action i mean when you have russell moore standing in front of the supreme court you know who's a, you know two kingdom guy and he's standing in front of the supreme court what, saying, hap- what happened what ha- yeah we got to do something about this well of course we do yeah yeah so i think something is going this is this is going to be a good thing in the long run and the conversation allows us to talk about the gospel because why are you against this well here's why and i'm saying this because i love you this is sin it's against god's standards it's worthy of eternal death just like adultery being a thief being a liar it's a sin against god and that means separation from god and our desire is that you would come to know the king of all the earth who saves sinners by his grace as a gift you see that starts the conversation and and so so praise god that he's allowed this enemy to be to be raised up so he can put it down how do we know luke do, we're not saying we're prophets how do we know that there will ultimately be revival and transformation and all this because first corinthians 15 he is reigning now mm-hmm. yeah and he must until all his enemies are placed under his feet yeah. this is an enemy and it will be under his feet so our call is faithfulness our, our call is a commitment to truth our call is a commitment to love neighbor i mean that's what we're supposed to do all right so let's listen to a few more of the president's uh comments as he spoke about the supreme court's decision on mirage equality this decision will end the patchwork system we currently have. It will end the uncertainty hundreds of thousands of same-sex couples face from not knowing whether their marriage, hundreds of thousands. legitimate in the eyes of one state, will remain if they decide to move or even visit another. So, so quick, uh, Marcus, I heard you comment on that. Yeah, we, um, we talked about this yesterday. About yesterday. So, so how many people are in the United States of America? Over 300 million. Over 300 million. Yeah. And so here's the decision made at the highest court from unelected officials about something that affects, he says, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And my, and my homeschool friends did the math, right? What did y'all, what'd y'all come up with? What was the percentage of people Oh, if there were hundreds of thousands of people in the United States and there's 300 million and you came up with a number it was less point, it was point zero three percent it was less than one percent depending on how many hundreds of thousands it was like it was like point three 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 percent yeah it's 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 unbelievable Wait, so so yeah so the point is is that needs to shake us up as Christians I said this on Sunday during the message I said, if the professing homosexual community in our nation is 3% just about, and that's, that's a it's consistent a very number. conservative Yeah, number. And, and so if, if, if that's the case, then you ask the question, do Christians represent more of the population than that? And if yes, you say, well, then what's going on with our light and our witness that this could happen in a nation that was founded upon Christian principles and the biblical worldview— well, it has everything to do with our witness. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with whether or not we'll love people enough to say something. Mm-hmm. And i got to say something to the person that wants to act like this is no big deal or to the person that professes faith in Christ and puts a rainbow picture mm-hmm. on their profile as a Christian. I want to say this. Shame on you for hating your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Shame on you for ha- hating your neighbor. I'm not saying that you need to put stuff on your Facebook profile and do it. Listen, but that's not the point. If you stand for this in a culture... When you know what God says about those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, who practice these things, then all that that demonstrates on your part is hatred for your neighbor. It's not love. It's hatred. It is undeniably 
hatred. From an objective standard, God's word, that is hate for neighbor. And it just goes to show the weakness of the body of Christ in America when people can actually say to this issue, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It matters because Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that those who practice such things will never enter the kingdom of God. So if your neighbor is plummeting off the cliff to death and you don't do anything, it shows just how much love you have for your neighbor. That's just, that's just the truth. Where's a good site that someone could go to if they were interested? And more? And, and reaching out to the homosexual community. Oh, very good. Realharmony.org is a site that we put together that the whole purpose behind the symbol, just so you guys know, there's, you'll see that the Real Harmony symbol like popping up. By the way, I didn't tell you this. There was a website, a guy did a whole thing on a, on a website about he was a Christian dissing people that would even participate in this discussion. Mm. And, um, and he has all the symbols Christians are putting out the profile. Yeah. Guess what he had up? Real nice. harmony. Good. Real harmony. But the whole I point saw a lot of that too. Yeah, but the whole point of the realharmony.org website and the symbol that points people to it is so that people that have these desires would go there and they get the gospel. Mm. That's the whole thing. There's nothing to the website. Right. It's really nothing to it. It is so ridiculously small by way of content. It's just about the gospel. The symbol is pointing people to the site which has the gospel. That's all we care about. We're not even like investing right now, like anything in it. We, right. I, we, we literally put that stuff up in like two or three days and we have not touched it since then. It's just about the gospel. The symbol is about pointing people to the site so they can get the gospel, realharmony.org. This ruling will strengthen all of our communities by offering to all loving same-sex couples the dignity of marriage across this. Uh, strengthen our communities, really, guaranteeing Listen, guaranteeing, absolutely guaranteeing that children will be raised in homes without either a mother or a father, that's going to strengthen our communities to have homes where a child is going to be without a mother or father. Wait, may I ask which one? Which one of your parents is expendable? Which one do you not need? Think about that. Not even in terms of biology. You have to have male and female to produce life. Male and male does not produce life. Female, female does not produce life. You need a third party. There must be a third participant in, the, in, the, in that kind of a context. But listen, if you, if you have children in a community raising these homes, listen, you say, how does this hurt anybody? How about children growing up without a mother or a father? That, what, that's a plus for us in a sense to where, you know, they're not going to reproduce their worldview as quickly as we can reproduce our worldview. Yeah, and, and, and that is in, in, in no sense meant to be a hurtful thing to the person who has these desires. We're asking for you to please take a step back and look. I mean, I can point you to testimonies of people who are raised in these sorts of families with same-sex parents, and they're telling you it's not the way to go. I didn't know how to be a woman. I was raised by two men. I didn't know what it was like to be a woman. I didn't see how a man's supposed to treat a woman. Or you see people who are advocates for homosexuality that say, hey, listen, I, I believe in this lifestyle, but I don't want kids to grow up without either a mother or a father. Listen, this is just the fact of the matter. This is God's world. You can't turn his world upside down. You can't build a house in the sand. It takes a foundation or it blows down, and you can't destroy communities with this and not suffer the consequences. Our president is just wrong. He's wrong. And it is, in the final summation, wicked. Great land. In my second inaugural address, I said that if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. 
Do you see it? There's the propaganda. Mm. That's how they won. Mm. Well, hey guys, just you watch this. What was the hashtag on Friday and over the weekend that everybody used? Love wins. The same as Rob Bell's. Rob Love. Bell actually posted oh, that. Oh, yeah. go figure. Love wins. Brothers and sisters, that is straight propaganda. Mm. And guess what? It is effective. Man, is it effective. It won. It, it, it's propaganda that connected with people, mm. and it won. Well, and you, as a, um, as is, I guess, I don't know if I'll say this right, but as a straight person or as a Christian or whatever you are, if you would applaud it, the, the behavior, then you get sort of like grandfathered into this like, environment of like tolerance and open-mindedness like so even if so they represent this thing which is just free love love and then even if you're not a homosexual if you just applaud it and accept it then you can sort of like be this really awesome cool person that loves love and is open-minded right and so there is really like an intentional appeal to supporting it even if it doesn't affect you, like in term, even if you can get married because you're straight, mm. you know, like mm. that's right. I, I don't know because if who, that's coming but, across. No, yes, but. yes, because who, who wants to listen? You've got an option being suggested to the culture. You can either be for love or for hate. Yeah. Which one? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't buy into that? Yeah. Right. I exactly. want that. They Lo- they lobbied in such a way that yeah. everyone needed to be involved, even though it's a decision that really only affects. A small population right. of the country. That's right. That's I'm right. glad. I'm glad we went. It went this way too, because Dr. White's been saying this for years. They don't want. You know, Obama started out with equal rights, but notice how quickly he changed into to love. It's not the. It's not the the equal rights that they're interested. They're inter- interested in Uber rights. Uber rights. And I. I don't. I don't, I don't hold me to this number, but I believe I've I've heard Dr. White say. You know, the small percentage. So say say you take a conservative three percent of the population is homosexual, even. What is it? I believe I've heard him say like ten percent of that actually wants marriage. Mm. Wants the monogamous. The, yeah, right. The rest of that wants the free love. They you know, and yeah. that's what and that's see how quickly his, his conversation turned to that. Yeah, and here's the thing, listen, and, and this is not meant to be a damaging, hurtful thing, just a matter of fact. It is a fact, a statistical fact that homosexuals even agree to that that male homosexual relationships are notoriously promiscuous yeah. and that needs to be that needs yep. to be stated marcus we're going to go longer for a second i'm going to go a little longer okay. on this um and uh i know our time is getting up and I, we, we need to keep talking about this so let, let me just get to this last part here it is gratifying to see that principle enshrined into law by this decision this ruling is a victory for Jim Ogre Ufel and the other plaintiffs in the case. It's a victory for gay and lesbian couples who have fought so long for their basic civil rights. It's a victory for their children whose families will now be recognized as equal to any other. It's a victory for the allies and friends and supporters who spent years, even decades, working and praying for change to come. See. And this ruling is a victory for America. 
This decision affirms what millions of Americans already believe in their hearts. When all Americans are treated as equal, we are all more free. My administration has been guided by that idea. It's why we stopped defending the so-called Defense of Marriage Act and why we were pleased when the court finally struck down a central provision of that discriminatory law. It's why we ended Don't Ask, Don't Tell. From extending full marital benefits to federal employees and their spouses to expanding hospital visitation rights for LGBT patients and their loved ones, we've made real progress in advancing equality for LGBT Americans in ways that were unimaginable not too long ago. I know change for many of our LGBT brothers and sisters must have seemed so slow for so long. But compared to so many other issues, America's shift has been so quick. Boom. Oh, there you go. That's what I wanted to get to. That's true. Mm -hmm. What has taken place over the course of the last generation has been like lightning bolt mm. type of change in terms of what happened to us as a culture. And listen, he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He really does know what he's talking about. This agenda and this movement began working very, very hard collectively and consistently 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and here we are. And he's right. It basically happened overnight. I mean, really. It flipped a nation, morally speaking, upside down mm -hmm. within a generation. And, and brothers and sisters, I don't say that to be a doomsday kind of guy. I'd say that to say, to say this. Listen, if, if this kind of unrighteous thing can happen in a nation in such a short period of time without the Spirit of God behind it, then what can happen if he is behind it? What can happen if the church rises up with a faithful right. proclamation of the gospel? What can happen? The same sort of thing that happened in Germany with Luther, the same sort of thing mm -hmm. that happened in, in, in Scotland with Knox, the same sort of thing that happened um, with Whitfield and Edwards. Guys, God is mighty to save, and the gospel is the power of God for salvation. God can win this nation to himself through his gospel, but it takes the means of his people laying down their lives right. for the lost. Quickly, let's do three things that we need to talk about just quickly. I know we're running over on time, but that's the benefit of having your own studio. You can do as you please. Number th three things that are big ones. Number one, don't judge. Number one, don't judge lest you be judged is the thing that even people professing to be Christians are quoting to others on this issue. Don't judge lest you be judged. My favorite thing to do is to quote Paul Washer who says, don't twist scripture lest you be like Satan. The Bible tells us to judge with righteous judgment, not by mere appearances. We are commanded by Scripture to judge by Scripture. We're commanded to do that. And watch the collapse of the person's uh, position when they say to you, do not judge. Ask them, is it wrong to judge? And they're going to tell you probably in the heat of the moment, yes, it's wrong to judge. Mm -hmm. Tell them, then stop judging me. It's wrong. They're already judging you. It's impossible not to judge we all have to discern and judge constantly. Well, Obama referred to the Marriage Act as discriminatory. But this, I mean, every, every law is really discriminatory. <laughs> like, it's not, if it's not allowing something, then... It's discriminatory. Like, it's discriminatory. Uh, the law that says you can't murder is discriminatory yes. against murder. And stealing. And rape. It's discrimination. Yeah. You're making a decision that this is allowed, this isn't. 
we all have to judge. And here's how you point it out to the person. If, you, if they'll allow the conversation, um, you say to them, is it wrong to murder? And they'll say, yes. Say to them, well, then stop judging. Is it wrong to rape? Yes, stop judging. Is, is child molestation wrong? Yes, stop judging. Get the person to see, oh, no, we have to make judgments. So the question and is we're by, not comparing homosexuality no. to rape. No, the point Just is, let you guys is we make moral judgments constantly. And the question is by what standard, mm-hmm. by what standard do you judge? And only God's word is that final infallible rule mm-hmm. for judgment. And the next thing is, is love... We should be able to love whomever we want, whoever we want. We, we should be able to love the person that we choose to love. And again, you have to ask, well, what about the pederast? What about bestiality? Yep. What about man-boy love? What about Misty Atkinson from California? Is she allowed to love her 16-year-old biological son? He participated. He's basically an adult, 16 yeah. years old. Who are you to say that you can't do that to your kid? And if you say, well... It's gross. Says who? Mm-hmm. Not Misty Atkinson. Mm-hmm. Apparently not her son at 16, at least in the moment. And so who are you to judge? How about the Montana man that just went to the uh, courthouse to try to get um, a second marriage? Polygamist. Polygamist. What about them? Where's the stop? Is it two aunts and two uncles? Can they marry? How about, how about five men and three women? Is that a marriage? How about a man and his dog? You might laugh and say, oh, that's ridiculous. It's happened. I just saw in Mexico some mayor married an alligator. Yeah. How about a man at a bridge? How about a woman at a bridge? Believe me. There was a woman in a Ferris wheel in the news the other day. Thank you very much. Where's the stop, guys? Be consistent and do not judge the person who wants man-boy love if you hold to this. Don't judge them because it's inconsistent. Well, and people are, you have to know that people are already not judging them. I saw an article up, somebody, a part of my family put an article up about like the struggle of pedophiles. Like what, it was basically written as like a plea for what they go through. So it's already, it's already being done. Yes. It's already, you know, being tolerated. Yes, absolutely. Next one, cafeteria Christian. You're being a cafeteria Christian. You're picking and choosing what you want to follow. You don't eat bacon. Uh, you, you eat bacon. You eat shellfish. You eat lobster. You do these things. You wear mixed fibers clothing. I don't. And, and so, uh, yeah, you don't. Um, but the point is, is, well, Christians do all these things, but you're, Nick, you're, you're picking and choosing because you do those, but you say the homosexuality thing, that that's still a sin. You're such a cafeteria Christian picking and choosing. Well, no, actually, the important thing is to read your Bible the Bible says that the holiness code was meant to be a dividing wall between Jew and Gentile for a particular purpose and particular time. It was paving the way for the Messiah. It meant something. It pointed to holiness and being separate from the world, but its purposes as a sign or a symbol are fulfilled in Christ, who is the substance. Ephesians 2 explicitly says that the holiness code has been done away with because of what Christ has done as the substance in coming to redeem. The Bible says that Jesus declared all foods clean in the book of Mark. That's why we don't follow the holiness code. But watch this. You, you hear Jesus saying to love your neighbor. And the people today that say you follow Jesus, he just commands you to love your neighbor. Point out to them that Jesus quoted from Leviticus 19 when he said you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. He was quoting from Leviticus 19, which comes after 18, and 18 has the prohibition against sacrificing your children to Moloch, against men lying with men, women lying with women, and with and incest. 
That's, it's in the same passages. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he's appealing to the law of God to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and in Leviticus, it says explicitly that male-to-male sexual relationships are toiva, an abomination. The male who goes to bed with a male is toiva. Arsenikoites is the Greek word that Paul uses, probably coined in the New Testament. It comes from two words, and those two words are um, arson and koite, and it means man-bed. He is quoting from the Greek translation of Leviticus in the Septuagint. He takes the word for man and the word for bed, which is in the text of the Septuagint in Leviticus, and he says in the First Corinthians uh, chapter 6 that those who, men who go and lie with other men, arson and koites, those people don't inherit the kingdom of God. This is explicitly taught in the scripture. It doesn't change. This moral principle is abiding for history because God has defined what our proper roles are. Listen, listen, if you love the adulterer, what do you do to them? You call them to repentance. If you love the liar, what do you do? You call them to repentance. If you love the drunkard, what do you do? You call them to repentance and to come to Christ for life. And if you love the person who, who, who says that they are homosexual, which I hate that they make that their identity, but if you, if, they, if you love the person who professes homosexuality as a lifestyle, as a good lifestyle, if you love them, you call them to repentance because you love them. Amen. That's our call. So much more to say, obviously, and so much more in the days ahead that we have to do as Christians to love our neighbors. Um, I want to encourage you guys to, um, to, to be a part of this. Marcus had said to me before we started this segment to remind the listeners of something, and I think it's really important, and I'm glad he reminded me. We talked a lot about the propaganda. We talked a lot about the very consistent discipline movement of this community. Listen, that's what we're trying to do in terms of faithful biblical proclamation with this show, with everything that we're putting out. We want to bring to the culture the gospel in a faithful way, and we want to do it consistently. We want to be disciplined about it. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen overnight. And can you please listen to me on this? It's not going to happen without you. It's not. It's not going to happen without the people who listen to this show and it's being used by God in your life and you don't participate. Yeah, this is a radio show, Apologia Radio, is a very small beginning stage of Apologia Studios, which the hope is to be a major influence on the culture in terms of programming and nightly news. I mean, we could go on and on about the ideas that we have for this, but it's going to start with Apologia Radio and donating eight bucks a month to be an all-access member. That's where it starts. And as we get bigger, we're going to be able to really combat the culture and 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 and, and become a major voice uh, in the media. And that that's the plan. That's that's the the long-term multi-generational plan of Apologia Studios. Yes. And so join us, please. Pray for us. Share episodes. Give. Go to ApologiaRadio.com, get signed up for the All Access, enjoy all of that content. We're excited about all that we have for you. Um, I'm blessed. I mean, I want you guys to think about something. God gave us this studio. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, We have an amazing team that are super talented and gifted. Joy, Luke, we now have Justin. 
here that God has planted him back in Arizona to be a part of all that we're doing. We have Marcus Pittman, one of my favorite filmmakers, and this is all stuff that God is doing. He, he honestly, guys, he has brought it all together, and, and we have no boast in it. Mm-hmm. And so all, all we, the, the final piece that we need right now is funding from God's people. The opposition to the gospel has a very big checkbook, okay? Let me just say this. Christians, we've got to start giving to this stuff. We've got to start giving to this stuff. We've got to start participating and investing in the long term for the kingdom of God. We just absolutely have to. Please, please join us. Apologia Radio's all access at ApologiaRadio.com. That's Joy the Girl. Yeah. Luke the Bear. Peace out, y'all. And Bond. Justin Bond. Thank you for having me. King Ginger. Oh, man. On the ones and twos. And me, the ninja. Catch you guys next week. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church. So we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. (laughs) Glory!